Welcome to Amici, News and Insights from the New York Courts. I'm John Carr. As part of our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion is sponsoring a series of interviews with employees of Hispanic descent. Today we're joined by Sky L. Peña Davis of the Office of Policy and Planning. Ms. Peña Davis has 20 years of experience as a criminal justice and addictions professional, and with that experience, she provides vital support to drug and veterans courts throughout the state. She is a member of the New York State Impaired Driving Advisory Council Committee, which strives to improve highway safety. She is also a member of the New York State Bar Association's Committee on Veterans, which provides programs for attorneys and the public on veterans' issues. Ms. Peña Davis worked at the Center for Court Innovation and the New York City Treatment Alternatives for Safer Communities. She is a speaker on drug court and veterans court topics and serves on multiple associations, committees, and advisory boards. Ms. Peña Davis received her bachelor's degree from John Jay College of Criminal Justice and her master's degree from Long Island University CW Post College. Skye's parents emigrated from the Dominican Republic in the mid-1960s, and she grew up in Queens. Skye, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, on the occasion of Hispanic Heritage Month, what do you wish other Americans better understood about the Dominican Republic? Um, I think that people should know that the Dominican Republic is more than just really nice beaches and all-inclusive resorts. You know, it shares land with neighboring Haiti. Um, it's the second largest island in the Caribbean. And it has beautiful landscape, mountains, fishing villages. You know, the Dominican people are... Um, fun people they're very giving people they love to dance and we talk very loud we're very passionate and we love to celebrate life <laughs> that sounds like a great tradition <laughs> particularly in these times um now tell me about your kind of un somewhat unusual and, and very uplifting name sky where'd that come from so you know i <clears throat> wish i had a really exciting story to tell you about that My you can, you can always name. make one up my middle name is actually Light, L-I-G-H-T. So my dad didn't, he just liked original names. And he just said, you know, I want my first daughter to be named Skylight. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so people usually think, you know, that my parents were hippies or, you know, that they were smoking something on a mountain, but it's just, it's nothing like that. I don't have an exotic story like that. That's a great story. I, th I thought maybe it was short for Skylar or something like that, but, but the, uh, the, the real story is better. Now, yeah. uh, um, why did your parents leave the Dominican Republic and, and do you know why they, why did they choose the United States? Um, they came to the United States for opportunity, um, like most immigrants. And, you know, at the time, they were living and they were raised uh, under a dictatorship. And uh, when the dictator was assassinated, uh, the U.S., uh, like a few years later, um, created the Immigration and Naturalization Act. And so many people, many immigrants, uh, took advantage of it to come to the United States for opportunity. It sounds like opportunity and freedom from a dictator. Yeah. Well, when was that? 
they the assassinator was assass the Trujillo the uh, dictator was assassinated I think in the early 60s and then the uh, INS Act uh, came about in the mid uh, 60s so it was in the mid 60s that your parents were able to come to the United States yes and it was very easy back then because they just obtained travel visas um, that's how easy it was to to get to the to get to the US so it was a lot easier then probably than now. Oh, yes, definitely. Now, what did your parents do? So when they came to this country, you know, there was a language barrier, as many immigrants, uh, you know, have language barriers. And so they worked, my mom worked in different factories. Back then, you know, there were a lot of things that were made in the, in uh, America. So there were a lot of fact. There was a lot of factory work, so she worked in different factories. And then when the jobs got slow, uh, she was laid off, and then she would go to another factory to work in another, uh, make something else. I think she did curtains in one place, sunglasses in another place. She did clothing in another factory. She was also a home attendant for a little bit. And then as her kids got um, older, she, you know, of school age, she became a stay-at-home mom. My dad came to this country and he started working in restaurants as a dishwasher, a grill cook. Um, he drove a cab uh, for some years. And then his big opportunity hit when he became a porter at a nursing home, and I say it was a big opportunity because it was the job that provided him with medical benefits and union benefits and a pension, uh, and so my dad stayed with that job till he retired. Well, they, they seem like great role models. Yeah, yeah, they were great role models. I mean, it's hard to come to a country where you don't know the language and, you know, you're just trying to fit in. And then um, you meet really good people who show you the way, which is, that's how fortunate they were. They met people who showed them um, how to own a home, and they helped them uh, become homeowners. So, you know, they instilled that in us, is, you know, you have to save, and you should own your own home, have your own property, things like that. Now, this is, this is in Queens, where, where um, you were living? Yes, we were born and raised in Queens, uh, particularly when they came to this country, they came to Corona, Queens, which is where the majority of the Dominicans lived at that time. It was either Corona, Queens or Washington Heights. And so they lived in Corona, Queens for the majority of their time. And that's where I was born and raised. Now, you mentioned the language barrier. What, what language did your parents speak? They both speak Spanish. Although my dad was uh, became a little fluent, uh, my mom uh, she she's learned enough to carry a conversation, but you know she never became as fluent as my dad. Now, is the dialect different, or were they able to communicate freely and and easily with people from different Hispanic nations? Say, well, I don't know, Puerto Rico. Yeah, well, the Puerto Rican uh, Spanish and the uh, Dominican Spanish is very similar. Um, so they didn't have difficulty communicating with uh, Puerto Ricans. Um, but, uh, you know, they immigrants, when they come to the U.S., they tend to travel in packs and they live with their own community. So they just communicated with 
their family members and um, they all worked in the same industries. You know, everybody gets a job for someone else. So it's not like you're working with someone you don't know and you're working with someone who speaks your language. Mm-hmm. So back then, you know, for them, it wasn't, uh, they didn't have a need to learn how to speak English. I see. Let's uh, turn the uh, focus uh, toward you, if I could. Uh, obviously, sure. from a you had an early interest in criminal justice since you enrolled in the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. What led you to that field? Um, so that was very interesting because when I was younger, I sort of became my parents' navigator. And I had to take them to their medical appointments, uh, their educational appointments, anything that had to do with school. I had to be there because I was the translator. I was the translator for a lot of different things that they needed to do. You know, they didn't know their rights. They didn't know how to advocate for themselves. So I had to do that for them. Uh, So I didn't have anybody to help me navigate the educational system. I had to learn it on my own. And when I was in high school, they had mentioned that New York City had um, a a CUNY system. And that's what I knew of, this CUNY system that had these colleges. And I looked at the list and I said, oh, I want to leave Queens because I only knew of Queens. And um, I said I wanted to go to Manhattan. And so John Jay was just one of the schools that I applied to and it accepted me. It was just by happenstance how you know, it happened. It's not like uh, now, like people research, they do a lot of research to pick the schools that they want to go to, and they sort of know more or less what field they want to be in. It was just sort of like happenstance. I wanted to get out of Queens, and so I ended up going to John Jay College. And then what did you get your master's in? I got my master's in um, criminal justice and public administration. It was an interdisciplinary uh, degree. But back by then, I sort of felt like um, I wanted to stay in criminal justice. I uh, took a liking to it, like all the stuff that I was learning. There are a lot of different routes to go in criminal justice, but you, you chose to work on, for most of your career, really, to alternatives to incarceration, especially as it relates to veterans and those with uh, substance use issues. Why did you gravitate to that field rather than any of the many other uh, opportunities in, in criminal justice? Yeah, I think I gravitated towards that because I think I, well, I enjoy working with vulnerable populations. And I think because my parents were a vulnerable population, um, my dad was also an alcoholic. So working with substance abuse um, field and criminal justice, it gave me a greater understanding into his illness. And, you know, sometimes you don't know why you chose you choose the field that you go into, you just sort of, you know, you feel like the universe pulls you into a particular direction. And I just took a liking to that. And I stayed with it, you know, for, gosh, close to 30 years now, I think, or maybe a little over 25. I would imagine in in that field, you have great triumphs and great accomplishments and great achievements and heartbreaking losses. You can't save everyone. What is a, really good day in your professional life and what is a unhappy day yeah so at the office of policy and planning um 
we're like uh, like a help center for the problem-solving courts, and we provide a lot of training to the courts, you know, because sometimes these courts, there's a lot of turnover, whether it's turnover with the judges, the legal community, or the clinical community. Um, we all work together to serve these participants that are struggling because we want them to succeed, right? So their success means that a community improves a little bit, the family unity is also improved. So in giving these courts the tools to serve these populations, to me, is very gratifying. I feel lucky that I get to do the job that I do. That's a great way to put it. Now, um, what do you do in your free time to unwind? So in my free time, I like to decorate and redecorate my house. Um, And my husband and I have a small place in the mountain, and we like to go there just to unwind and relax a little bit. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, America is, of course, a uh, the melting pot, as they say, a, a, a wonderful stew of different cultures. How does it benefit the country, the court system, and you personally to draw from a number of different cultures that you will inevitably encounter in your daily life? I think, you know, I think diversity is a beautiful thing. And coming and being raised in, in Queens, where there are so many different cultures, it's just what I'm used to. Um, you know, the court system, again, it's a multicultural workplace. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the diversity, you know, diversity in work, work culture, I think it goes hand in hand. Um And I think at the court system, you know, there's so many things that we do to highlight different cultures that people are not aware of, like this podcast, you know, I wasn't aware of it. Um, And um, the Office of Diversity, Diversity, Diversity and Inclusion. You know, I don't think many people know that they exist either. So I think um, while we have these things, I think we should shout them out a little bit more. but I think the benefits of living and working in a multicultural setting is that you learn a lot from different cultures and it broadens your worldview of different places and people. I think it's great. It certainly does broaden one's view, you know, to hear different perspective, uh, perspectives from different cultures and different regions. and Yeah. Make, make, I think it makes you a more rounded person. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Have you found the court system welcoming to people of diverse backgrounds? Oh, yeah, definitely. I th- yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think it's nice that we get to learn um, from people that we know very little about. Um, you know, it's it's all in how, we, how comfortable we are in asking people about their culture, their beliefs, and their values. I mean, I know Dominicans love to talk about themselves, so you can strike up a conversation with any one of us and, and ask about their culture, and they will be happy to brag about it. Well, since you're a Dominican who loves to talk about yourself and brag about your culture, let me uh, <laughs> let me hit you with one last question. Um, are there any um, cultural traditions that you and your family maintain that you'd like to share with this with the rest of the melting pot? Yeah. So um, my mom lives with me, uh, and um, we speak Spanish at home. And my mom constantly makes authentic Dominican food. Um, And pre-COVID, we would always have these large gatherings just to eat and to hear music and to dance 
just because it was like a Saturday afternoon and it was just something fun to do and just to get together and reminisce. Um, obviously, you know, during COVID, we can't do that. But, um, you know, that's our tradition. It's just like eating, you know, traditional food and listening to music and dancing and just having a good time. What What uh, is a traditional food? So my favorite, favorite is my mom makes, it's called Sancocho. It's like a, a stew. Uh, and, you know, I don't go out to restaurants to get it because in my mind, nobody makes it better than my mother. Um, and, you know, she makes rice, typical rice, beans, and uh, a protein, which is like a stewed meat or, or chicken or something. But, um, you know. She makes she makes it all. She's a great cook, my mom. Well, you're making me very hungry. So uh, <laughs> I, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. And, and, and thank you for your service to the courts for, for all this time and, and what you do for veterans and, and the drug-addicted population. Thank you so much, John. This was so much fun. You made it so easy. I'm glad. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Amici. You find all of our recent podcasts on the Court Systems website, at www.nycourts.gov and you also find a transcript of each interview. If you have a suggestion for an EMG podcast, let me know. I'm John Carr and I can be reached at 518-453-8669 or jcaher at nycourts.gov. In the meantime, stay tuned.